This week on The Sport Blokes. This week, the European Super League jeopardises football as we know it. The Brisbane Lions are queens of the AFLW. A very different kind of space invaders in the gaming world. How good is Steph Curry? And how good are the Western Bulldogs? Great questions. Let's do it. Stewie, as we do at the top every week, what caught your attention and what'd you miss? Well, what caught my attention this week was an utterly outrageous touchdown pass from Villanova quarterback (laughs) Daniel Smith. If you haven't seen this one, it is worth looking up. It sure is. So I'll set the scene. It's the fourth quarter. They're playing against Delaware. They're down by two touchdowns. It's third and one with three minutes left. And he's been clipped from behind, basically. I don't know. How do you, How would you describe it? You've seen the footage. All I want to say is, hi, we're in Delaware. <laughs> um, that doesn't help anyone. <laughs> how? Oh. So he's like rolling he out. He was just getting, a, getting tackled. Yeah, he's rolling out to his right. He's kind of got ankle tapped and ended up pretty much throwing an unintentional behind the back pass. It looked unintentional, didn't it? Yeah, yeah I don't think it was intentional. And it's kind of lobbed up to a guy wide open in the end zone. Oh, and, crazy. I mean, they still lost the game by a touchdown, but... Absolutely crazy. And the other thing I noticed is that the Yankee fans expect nothing but the best of their team. Ah, yes. No real surprise there. I mean, there's a few teams out there that are the same. The Yankees fans, they've been absolutely spoiled over the years. And, I mean, look, they've won 27 World Series titles, more than twice the second place at Lewis Cardinals. They've won 40 American League pennants, 19 East Division titles. They've had 23 players worthy of getting their numbers retired. 39 guys reached the Hall of Fame. And once had George Costanza as assistant to the general manager. I can't really do the song. I can't really do the song. <laughs> well. I tried, but but um, but no, look, they're not doing so well at the moment. They're five and ten right now. They're dead last in the American League East, and the fans are not happy. So last week during an 8-2 loss to the Tampa Bay Rays, the Yankee fans decided they would throw a bunch of baseballs onto the field to delay the game. You'd think in a loss you would want to speed things up so yeah, you could get that's home. Bizarre, but, isn't it? But yeah, it shows once again that there can sometimes be a downside to having fans in the stadium. Yes. Well, it's, it's not all rosy. It's not all rosy. Especially when you're losing. Exactly. How about yourself, mate? Well, I have a few. So after our uh, 100 chat last week, I noticed on Twitter there's an account called Boycott the 100. So shout out to them. The more I think is, is about it. Is that you? No, it's not me. It's not me. But uh, I will have a good look at it uh, over time. The more I think about it, like for the sake of taking 20, 20 balls, less yeah. balls each innings, yeah. you know, and can you imagine a little kid being exposed to the game for the first time and then watching a T20 or an one dayer and going, oh, daddy, why why are they bowling six ball overs? Hmm. Why, is, why this, is it called a wicket? Why is this good? Oh, it's just, it just, I just don't get it. I really don't. Uh, but uh, also hats off to Nicola McDermott. First Australian woman to break the two-meter mark in the high jump, new Australian record. She looked pretty comfortable. Getting so another good it. story heading into the Olympics. Yes, indeed. Yeah, no, she was stoked too. And then another one, and I know you've seen this one too. In fact, I think you actually might know more about it than I do. But uh, son of head of Chechen Republic, Ramzan Kadyrov, Adam Kadyrov, who's 14 years old, was awarded a victory in a boxing match. I'm not so sure he should have won. I'm very sure that he, shouldn't, <laughs> he should not have won it. I mean, I read this article quite thoroughly and they were basically saying that the other guy, it was a bit of a slugfest, but the other guy was... Clearly making, getting more punches in. Yeah, making better contact, hitting better spots, that sort of thing. And very, very quickly, though, when they realised something wasn't quite right, they, they threw the towel in and basically said, oh, because he got a standing eight count. 
when he shouldn't have because he barely got any any punches. In right. So I think they've kind of figured it out and gone, no, this isn't great. We'll throw the towel in. Mm. But the, the crazy thing about this was, I mean, I've seen a few documentaries on this Katarov. He's a fucking nutbag, absolute nutbag. A lot of people describe him as basically a big child. Right. But Well, like other dictators probably. Well, exactly right. It makes kind of decent sense. But this guy, Lucas Brown, who's an Australian heavyweight, he actually was there doing a little bit of boxing with him. And Katarov's just basically sucker punched him in the stomach and kind of knocked the wind out of him. And then he's sort of turned around, oh, what do I do, what do I do? Just laughed it off, thought, may as well do that. And he was speaking to his handler afterwards and said, what would have happened if I'd actually done something? And the guy said, oh, we, we would have shot you. <laughs> Welcome to yeah. Chechnya. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Holy yeah. Crap. But I've saved the best for last, Chewy. It's more team name discussion. Yes. So the Washington football team is currently undergoing a competition or where they're searching for names. And so there's a website that's been set up and there's uniforms and there's all sorts. People have submitted all these team name and designs and what? all these sort of things. Washy McWash face? Well, here we go. Okay. All right. So we've got the Agents, the Heritage, the Red Wolves, the DC Dukes, the Legends, the Rough Riders... Okay. Which is a brand of Connie that are in the Dunnies at yeah. pubs. Yeah, this, yeah, that's probably the best one so the, far. The, the Heroes, Bisons, a Bisonic. Yeah, well, the, for the, the full frontal love. This word is Bisonic. <laughs> Thank you, old woman. Memorials. Oh God. Washington Memorials. Like really? <laughs> like the Washington Monuments yeah. sort of thing. Like Monuments would have been better. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Justice. Warriors. Seals. Wolves. Red Tails, Wolfpack, Revolution, Rhinos. Don't actually hate Rhinos. Washington Rhinos, yeah, what? Get these ones, though. Generals, <laughs> which we joked. <laughs> gonna take on we joked about that last year. <laughs> so this is a legitimate entry, the okay. Washington Generals. And then the Phoenix. The Washington Phoenix. You might as well add Jack Jumpers <laughs> to the list. For fuck's sake. Why do they just call themselves the Washington, Portland, Denver, Dallas... <laughs> Golden State, like Baltimore. And then legitimately, Washington football team is still a viable option. So that may end up being the name in the end anyway. It's almost the best one. I like honest. Rhinos the best. The, right? the Rhinos is pretty cool. Yeah. The, I mean, the Rough Riders. <laughs> All I can think about is that picture on those vending machines. Good marketing. <laughs> oh, dear. Wow. What'd you miss, mate? Well, I didn't actually manage to see any of the cricket over the last week. So the IPL's been yeah, on. Yeah, yep. Glenn really... Maxwell's gone, all right? Yeah, I, I saw very few highlights of, of that, the AB de Villiers and, and yes. yeah, very yep. nice partnership. But I didn't get to see any of the Sheffield Shield final. Marnus Labashain was absolutely dominant. Took a blinder of a catch too, yeah. What did you miss, Nath? Well, I didn't see nearly as much footy as I would have liked. It's the least footy I've watched all season so far. So, But these things happen from time to time. <laughs> yeah, I, I did get to go to a game live, which was very fun. Yeah, good game. It was it was a good first half. Second half, not as good. Good for Eagles Great, fans. great game. <laughs> <laughs> now, Shui, it's not a sport we talk about a hell of a lot, but what we've got to address at the top is Come on, the... Come on, <laughs> when you remember. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry to twist that knife. <laughs> still, yeah, it's uh, still an open wound, that one. But the massive news that we cannot avoid and is doing the rounds worldwide and is causing massive ripple effects is the proposed European Super League in the world of soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. And geez, Liverpool, well, they never walk alone, but they only want to walk with five other teams into this competition. What do you reckon? Holy shit, man. This... 
we we kind of did speak about this a little while back, but yeah, it's 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 real. It's all but confirmed, basically. Yeah, well. So, I'm still not convinced, well, but we'll get there. We'll the, get there. So the 12 teams, you've got AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Chelsea. Inter Fuck off Milan. Chelsea. Well, Many will be saying. Well, true. Yep. Uh, Juventus, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur as the 12 founding clubs. They were even big enough assholes to make sure that founding and clubs was in capital letters. <laughs> so there you go. But look, as reward for these clubs, quote, bravely taking the first step into the unknown, each will receive an amount of $3.5 billion to, quote... Billion euros. Sorry, euros, I should yeah, say. Yeah, it's is, closer to five is, billion Australian. Well, five and a half, yeah. Yeah. To, quote, solely support their infrastructure investment plans and to offset the impact of the COVID pandemic. Mm. Agreed. Yeah, well, yeah, that's pretty much the... The European Capitalists League. That's the way to, to summarise it. Mm. Where do we start? There's so much wrong with this, isn't there? Well, well, there is. I mean, I suppose before we get into that, maybe let's just quickly look at how it'll work. Yes. So there'll be 15 set teams. They've got 12 at the moment. Yep. They're trying to work on another three. Now, the other three that have been invited that have said no already, Bayern Munich, Paris Saint-Germain and Borussia Dortmund. But basically, once they've got those 15, they will have another five teams that will get in every season based on merit. On merit. Yes. So, yeah, results, whatever it happens to be. So first things first, can they call it a European Super League when it only actually represents three countries at the moment? Isn't there only three countries in Europe? <laughs> Honestly, yeah. You're never going to get a team from Luxembourg or, or, <laughs> well, no, or Andorra. Not, <laughs> you get the old, like, Germany, Min France. Minsk United from Belarus. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. The fact that you've only got Spain, Italy, and the UK, there's, there's, I mean, admittedly, they were trying to get someone from France and a couple of teams yes. from Germany. Yes. But you're right. It won't properly be a fully European sort of cup, but that's just unfortunately the way it'll be. So those 20 teams will then be split into two groups of 10. Those 10 group teams will play a midweek home and away fixture against each other. The top three from each group qualified or quarterfinal and the fourth and fifth teams will play off for the last spot. Then the normal finals will ensue. Home and away legs up to the final and then that's a one-off at a neutral ground. Mm. So fairly straightforward. Yep. But yeah, you're, you're kind of right. I mean, the, the greed in this is... Well, the crazy thing is it was less than 24 hours before UEFA was going to announce an expanded competition in that, which was to appease these bigger clubs that feel like they deserve more money anyway. And I also heard today on a BBC football podcast that, oh no, sorry, it was Sky Sports. I listened to a few that apparently these bigger clubs are getting 33% of the UEFA revenue anyway, based on history. Oh, right. So even if they're not even competing, some of the clubs are, are getting a third of the revenue. Wow. So it's the greed is, is just amazing. Right, I'm going to play literally the only devil's advocate hand that can possibly be played here. Mm -hmm. And for the record, I'm not even going to hint for a second like I agree with this because I do not. Mm. But looking at it from these teams and, and not even so much the teams, it's the owners. It's nothing to do with the players or the managers. They are all opposed to it from what I understand. Yes. But if you look Well, Jurgen Klopp for Liverpool has been pretty vocal in his denouncing of it. Yeah, so. exactly. And... I mean, all the players would be exactly the same, I can guarantee. Uh, but if you look at the soccer jerseys that you see on these kids in the street, you can guarantee that 90-plus percent of them are going to be from these 12 teams. Oh, sure, of course. So I can understand what they're saying. They're the most popular teams in the world. They've got the most popular players. You know, all of these guys are in here. You know, your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, all of those sorts of guys are going to be 
in this competition, in theory. Well, some of it's more true than other, though, because it's basically baking in the kind of class system into these teams. Before Man City's 2008 takeover by Sheikh Mansour, the club hadn't won a league title since the 60s. AC Milan haven't won a Serie A title in 10 years. Arsenal haven't won since 2004, Spurs 1961, and aren't in the top six on the EPL ladder anyway. Yeah. So, so they're basically trying to establish themselves as the best when they're not necessarily the best teams. Well, it's a, it's a good point. So Chelsea sit fifth, Liverpool are sixth, Tottenham are seventh, Arsenal are ninth at the moment. So none of them would even qualify for the Champions League anyway. And as you said, Spurs haven't even won a Premier League title. The last time they did it, it was a completely different competition. Mm. And they've just sacked Jose Mourinho. Yeah, well, he might be glad. <laughs> yeah. But, but going back, I guess, to, you know, trying to advocate for these teams, which is very, very hard. It is hard. It's just ridiculous. And the English Premier League came in for the 92-93 season. And in that time, the only teams aside from Man United, Man City, Arsenal, Chelsea and Liverpool to win it are Blackburn Rovers in 94-95 and Leicester City in 2015-16. In that same time span in the Spanish Premier League, the only teams apart from Atletico Madrid, Barcelona and Real have Deportiva La Coruña in 99-2000. And they're in the third tier. And then you had Valencia in 01-02 and 03-04. Juventus have won the last nine titles. And since 92-93 again, aside from Lazio in 1999-2000 and Roma in 2000-2001, every other title has been won by those three teams. So... I get where they're coming from in terms Well, they're of, successful. All, all yeah. competitions have successful teams, but isn't surely the UEFA's enough? Like, but this is it. They're, they're it's to be complete greed. And it's the American franchise model too. And the English folk are rioting in the streets. They are not happy about this at all. And you have to wonder if LeBron James is going to cop a bit as a co-owner of Liverpool. That's very true. It's funny. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but on Twitter, there are these idiots that will post why LeBron isn't the GOAT. And they'll post it in topics that have absolutely nothing to do with him. Now they'll probably just add this as another dot point. Yeah. <laughs> it helped ruin the EPL. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I dare say he wouldn't have probably even known much about that. But So get this. Real Madrid president Florentino Perez says plans by the 12 clubs, including his own in the European Super League, which will be the ESL, has said that this was to save football. How's that going? Well, I tell you what, word on the street is the exact opposite. I quote, UEFA is a monopoly and it also has to be transparent. UEFA does not have a good image in its history. It has to be open to dialogue and not threatening. UEFA is going to expand the competition to appease these sort of teams. How is this not a threat? Less than 24 hours before that announcement was going to be made. How is this anything but a threat? What are they trying to do aside from create their own monopoly anyway? Yeah, well, exactly. That too. It's complete hypocrisy. Complete hypocrisy. Okay, now that, that is interesting. I hadn't heard that. But, yeah, the, the good thing about this, though, is UEFA's stance. They've come down, nothing's official yet, but the, their stance at the moment is pretty full on and I dare say very, very right. So they've said that any clubs or players involved in this will be banned from playing in any other domestic competition, European or international level, 
and the players could be denied the opportunity to represent their national teams. Now that so I, FIFA will come in, yeah. That I don't agree with. Club or country? That I that I think is way too, too heavy handed. Yep. Well, because the Australian national team, for example, has nothing to do with this. No, that's true. So yeah, we've already heard certainly that you know the big name that we've heard that's being mixed up in this is Sam Kerr. So yep. I don't see why she should have to miss out on playing for the Matildas because of something that was nothing to do with her. Yeah, there's also Lydia Williams, Steph Catley, Caitlin Ford, Alana Kennedy. There's a number of it's, it's it affects a, more female players than male players. It's it's a big, big deal. But then the next question is as well, you've got the UEFA Champion League semi-finals. Yeah, four up. of uh, three of the four three teams. Of the four. Yeah. And so, they're they're threatening to pull the rug on them. So Paris Saint-Germain might actually win this by default. Yeah. They won the league in France last year by default. And, COVID. They, and they could very easily win this by default. Mm. Talk about your life. Yeah, I know. And they might still end up in this bloody thing anyway. I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, Stewie, because there are asterisks all over the place here. There could be there. If these teams are kicked out of the EPL, then there's going to be asterisks on all future EPL winners. There's going to be asterisks potentially on the World Cup. They already won a World Club Championship. Like, there's not enough There's not enough hours in the day. How, how do they fit all this in? But what, what, what do you think? Do, do you think that they... Clearly, I, I tend to favour your approach with the FIFA. I think kicking people out of international is maybe a bit too heavy-handed. Way too heavy-handed. What do you think about kicking these clubs out of their their domestic competitions? I don't have a problem with it personally because, quite frankly, I think what they're doing is a massive middle finger to grassroots soccer. Yes, absolutely. Football, yes, and all these all these teams that have folded because yep. of COVID it is a massive. Middle it's finger. so short-sighted. The- it is not going to help the game. It's going to hurt the game. Exactly. These teams are already making billions oh, and billions of dollars. They're raking it in. Absolutely raking there's it in. There's absolutely no need for... I mean, there's already concerns that Man United haven't kind of reinvested their, their profits into the club. So they're making shitloads of money. Hmm. It's. I, I think the EPL absolutely should kick these teams out immediately. At, at the very least, take all their points off and put them at the bottom of the ladder. Relegate them. That, well, that's pretty much what everyone's sort of saying. Is that yeah, I, they should because they've got to call the bluff here because the European Super League have really flexed their muscle and the only option is, is, to, is to call the bluff, I think. That also would be some very good news for you and your lovely girlfriend as well. <laughs> well, again, asterisk though. No, you know? no, but do you know what that does? That puts Leeds into the UEFA Champions League. Ah, right? yes, yes, okay. Because you move up to four. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. what that then potentially does is teams that are that are currently not in that. I mean, you look at Leicester City, I think it's West Ham, Leeds, and there's one other team I can't remember. Those teams would then move up into the top four and they're generating those millions of euros yeah. from going into these competitions next year that they wouldn't otherwise have. So there is a very, very small silver lining for some of these other teams, but... There's just no good to come of this. I I can't see any good thing about this whole proposal. Unless you're an owner of one of those teams. Well, yeah, yeah. But, like, I mean, there there are people on message boards and Twitter and stuff. I mean, the Twitter memes are hilarious. But there are people saying that they've been lifelong supporters for 40-plus years and they now are, like, not, Mm. you know... But that's they're, they're, they feel it's disgraceful. Do you know what, though? The vast majority of people are having the right response to this. Yeah, I think so. And, and I say the right as in what I feel is the right response. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, Obviously, I can't say what's right or wrong, but I honestly do believe that this is wrong. So, I mean, in many ways, Shui, this is the biggest news that's hit since we've started recording this podcast, actually, in world sport. Well, yeah. Can you think of anything bigger? I mean, COVID was already rearing its ugly head when we started. It's kind of why we started in some ways. <sighs> yeah, geez, I... At a push, I mean, 
India losing the Kabaddi World Cup final. <laughs> it's the last reference I'll make, I promise. But no, that that's probably, you're, you're right, that's probably the biggest news, not even just in sport. Like, it's one of the biggest... Well, it is, you're right. In, well, in the world. I mean, lots of money is dealt with. So... And and even soft diplomacy, yeah, it's it's huge. This is huge. How's this quote from Vince Regari from the Sydney Morning Herald? I'd be interested to see what you think. This has felt inevitable so long for a reason. People will vent their spleen, draw up petitions, encourage mass boycotts, mourn the loss of tradition, burn their jerseys and rage against the way football has changed to the benefit of corporate interests. But then, one day soon, Barcelona will be at home to Liverpool in the Super League and it'll be hard to switch off in that moment. It's a very interesting quote. I dare say you'll find that a lot of people will want to watch it, but I really, really think that this is the sort of thing that people will push back on and say, you know what, fuck it, I'm not watching this. Mm. As, as much as I want to see this team that I've grown up supporting or as much as I want to see these two powerhouses play, I'm not doing it. It's it's just it's a bridge too far. And it's kind of friendlies until the quarterfinals anyway, isn't it? Well, yes. Yeah, like, it's uh, how much are the stakes? Well, that, this is the thing. Like, these are teams that don't need the money. Yeah. The only thing they get is a fancy little trophy that really doesn't mean that much. No. Well, there's no history. No. Is there? No, absolutely not. And this is the other interesting thing you talk about watching. There's so many, there's so much money tied up in the rights. What if Sky Sports in England say, well, actually, we want to redraw the contract, much like what happened with the Big Bash League over here and, and Cricket Australia with the crazy stuff that went on with Channel 7, you know. What if Sky Sports say, nah, sorry, if those teams aren't in the EPL, this is assuming that EPL kicks them out. If those teams aren't in the EPL, we don't think we need to pay nearly as much as what we're paying for the rights. Optus over here for the rights, you know. And that's probably a fair point. But the domino effects are huge. Yeah. Huge. That's a good point. A league without those six teams loses a lot. Yeah. And, and it's really like the great stories like the Leicester City, you know, when a team does rise up like that, if, if those big name clubs aren't in it, that's not going to be as yeah, big news it either. It doesn't mean that much, does it? It's like, well, congratulations, you beat Everton. Like, It just, it, it really feels real this time. Like the, this has been talked about for 20, some are saying even 30 years, this sort of Super League idea, but it, it does really feel real this time. The only thing that might topple it is the law. So with respect to UEFA, there's Article 49 about setting up new leagues. Now, they should have asked for permission. They didn't. The bigger one, though, is Article 165, promotion slash relegation and openness of competition, which is protected by law. And Boris Johnson, the PM of England, has said they're going to do stuff about this, as has Oliver Dowden, the sports minister over there. So that might be the only thing that topples this. And I, for one, hope it does. Because, look, I'm not even a massive soccer fan, but it would be such a shame and it would, jeez, I'll tell you what, other sports would be champing at the bit because they will slip in, mm. you know. Yep. They might get a few more eyeballs on the 100. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, though. People that try and tell you that money hasn't ruined soccer. Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it. yeah, there, there's no there's no other way to put it, really. It's It's... It's disgusting. So yeah, look, this this is going to be a massive shitstorm. We will be keeping very close eyes on. We will, and it's you know it's quite new news at the moment. So there's there's a bit to unfold, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep an eye on things. And now, this week in sport history. 
April 20th, 1920, Philadelphia Phillies player manager Gavi Kravath puts himself in as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning as his only at-bat of the game and blasts a three-run home run to register the only score, leading the Phillies to a 3-0 victory. Now, Gavi Kravath isn't the only great name. It's, it's old-timey names time. It's a pretty cool name. Oh, though. it's great. But Philly also had Irish Musel, Dots Miller, and Mac Wheat. That's part, part of everyone's ever balanced diet. And the Giants had Jigger Stats <laughs> and High Pockets Kelly. High po- <laughs> you can uh. imagine how long his legs were. His, like, his pockets are like just underneath his, his chin. I'm old High Pockets Kelly, you see? Uh. Oh, man. You can almost see these guys. Great. April 20th, 1986, Michael Jordan breaks Elgin Baylor's NBA playoff record with 63 points in a game against the Boston Celtics at the Old Boston Garden. Jordan would shoot 22 of 41 from the field and throw in six assists and five rebounds for good measure, but the Celtics would ultimately prevail 135 to 131 in double overtime. As I mentioned last week on This Week in Sports, this is the same Celtics team that went 40-1 and at home during the regular season and 10-0 in the playoffs. And also, this was the last game George Gervin ever played, going scoreless in five minutes. Mm, there you go. Former Spur, of course. Mm-hmm. April 23rd, 2013, West Indian cricketer Chris Gale smashes the fastest T20 century in history for the Royal Challengers Bangalore, needing just 30 balls against the Pune Warriors. Gale would end up making 175 off just 66 balls with 13 fours and a ridiculous 17 sixes. He took a particular liking to Aaron Finch, 28 off one over, and another 26 off Ali Murtaza. The Royal Challengers made five for 263 after a cheeky 31 off eight from AB de Villiers. And in reply, Pune could only manage nine for 133 with Gale well and truly tying up man of the match, taking two for five off his single over. They were two tail enders, but it doesn't matter. Oh, I mean, they all count. Do you remember when Sachin Tendulkar became the first guy to make a double ton in a one day up? And everyone lost their mind. Oh, yeah. We never thought that was possible. And Gale needed one more over yeah. to basically do it in a T20. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, the attack might not have been as good, but the, the attacks are pretty good in the IPL. It's it's a great effort. Aaron Finch. <laughs> April 25th, 1950, Chuck Cooper becomes the first African-American to be drafted into the NBA when the Boston Celtics take him with the 14th pick in the draft. He was actually a member of the Harlem Globetrotters before he was drafted, but this was obviously such a huge step for the NBA. It ushered in some of the greatest players of all time, like Bill Russell, the late Elgin Baylor, who we just spoke about a second ago. Apparently, when officials from other teams found out the Celtics intended to draft Cooper, they suggested that he shouldn't be drafted because he's black. Mm. But the Celtics then-owner Walter Brown famously said, I don't give a damn if he's striped, plaid, or polka dot. Boston takes Charles Cooper of Duquesne. Yep. And Red Auerbach was very good with with race relations too and standing up for the African-American players. Cooper would play seven seasons in the league with the Celtics, Hawks and Pistons as a pretty handy role player. But what a a trailblazing player and move by the Celtics. Mm, Indeed. April 26, 1931, at the top of the first inning of a game against the Washington Senators, New York Yankee Lou Gehrig hit a home run but was called out for passing a runner. Now, this is because you still have to run the bases even if you hit a homer. So he still had to run the bases. And there was that famous one in the college softball where that girl was injured and couldn't run the bases. And so the opposition players actually picked her up and helped her around the bases to count the run. Oh. And it meant they lost the game. 
So oh, that was a very nice, amazing, nice gesture. Anyway, Little Larry was on first when Gary kicked the ball out to centre field. But the problem was that it cleared the fence, then bounced back in bounds into the hands of centre fielder Larry Rice. Little Larry thought the ball had been caught. So he returned to the dugout without ever crossing the plate. Gehrig never noticed this as he was running with his head down. So when he touched home plate, he had passed a runner and was appropriately given out, as per the rules, costing the Yankees two runs in a game that they would ultimately lose by, you guessed it, two runs. Now, in many ways, this wasn't even the worst of it for Gehrig because this mistake cost him the American League home run crown, which he in the end shared with his teammate Babe Ruth. So that's kind of that's nice. That's kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, it is. But of course, some people may not know that ALS or amyotropic lateral sclerosis was actually first called Lou Gehrig's disease because he was the first one diagnosed with it. So he has a very interesting part in the history of the world. This week in sport history. So from interesting things in the world of soccer to the world of footy, the AFLW Grand Final, Stewie, what a perfect ending really, wasn't it? It was a great game. It It was a great game. And it didn't feel like 38 to 20. It didn't feel that low scoring. It was a good, entertaining game of footy. Do you know, it actually reminded me a little bit of the 05-06 grand finals. Of the, the Oh, yeah, the, this the, one's the, an the Eagles one. Eagles, where, yep. where defense was really, really key and, and paramount to both teams. Yeah, no one really put huge amounts of scoreboard pressure on until later in the game. And, and even then, yeah, you're right. It, it still didn't feel like an 18-point game at the end. It still felt a little bit closer than that. I mean, yeah, what can you say? I, I guess, firstly, for Craig Stasevich and the Brisbane girls, definitely third time lucky, which is... Yep, which third is time's a charm. Eight of those players had been in the two losing sides previously, so great news for them, including uh, Zelke and Lauren Arnell, who I hear in the commentary box for ABC Grandstand all the time. But she announced her retirement straight after the game, so good on her going out on top. Yeah, well, I mean, she Emma Zelke had actually done a hamstring. Yeah, so, during the game, so yeah. Not, not yeah, a great yeah. way to go out in terms of that, but obviously winning... As, as a captain is certainly as, helps. as good as it gets. And yeah, you're right. Lauren Arnell was superb. She had a really, really key socket goal in the third quarter, I think it was. There were a lot of really good goals, really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, Courtney right. Hodder as well. She was magnificent, wasn't she? She had the ball on a string, that, particularly in the first half. That soccer from the pocket, that really should have been goal of the year. And this yeah, is why. Well, and she won goal of the year, funnily enough. So she did win it. It just she, maybe wasn't for the right she one. She should have taken it off herself. But this, yeah. is, this is the thing. This is why you should push it out to grand final week because you never know what's going to happen. But geez, I mean, I think for me, the biggest thing and the biggest reason that the Lions won this game was their defenders. If you look at the likes of Kate Lutkins, Brianna Cohn and Shannon Campbell, every time the Crows went forward, they basically, you were, you were getting intercept marks. They were spoiling. Well, they neutralized Aaron Phillips well, didn't they? They did. She was a non-factor in that game. Yeah, she really which was. Is surprising. Yeah. Well, really. you need supply, but yeah, she was. Yeah. But yeah. but yeah, they played that sort of that player behind the ball spectacularly. The field position and the, and the possession and all of that sort of stuff that you need to win a game in the AFLW. So that forward pressure, the, the eventually scoreboard pressure that comes with it. If you well, it looks like they were going to go without a behind. The, the, the two behinds were right near the end. Yeah, very impressive performance. I, th- I think Brisbane were the only other team that had kicked six goals straight at one stage during the season. Right, there you go. So, well, yeah. like I've said a few times now, they look very good when I saw them in person over here in Perth. And, and funnily enough, uh, we were sitting near Courtney Hodder's family. So they were the only people cheering for, for the Lions over here oh, that's when great. we were at the game. Yeah, well, I actually overheard a bit of the conversation because someone was talking to them. But, uh, yeah, no, fantastic effort. 
Danielle Pontra on the losing side, but she did win Mark of the Year, and it was a very gutsy mark indeed for Adelaide. So Adelaide and Brisbane pretty much cleaned up as far as that was concerned. And the other thing, I guess, obviously, you know, with the defence, we've, we've got to talk about the offence. And, and, you know, the person we were expecting to dominate, Dakota Davidson, really didn't have much of a Yeah, that's right, after a really big prelim. Unfortunately, her big impact on the game was busting up Angela Foley's knee late in the third quarter, which was not a particularly nice thing to see. But not intentional. No, obviously not. No, she went straight yeah. up to her and yeah, checked yeah. on her, which you know, which is great to see. But there was just that real purple patch that the Lions had. So you had Jess Wooshner had a couple of cracking goals, one right on, on halftime, a snap from 50 sort of early in the third that bounced and took all the wind out of the crows. And by the way, this is someone who's been struck by lightning. Yeah, actually, that's good. This is probably a good time. For they mentioned that in the commentary. She's been struck by lightning. Now she's an AFLW Premier. It's a crazy story. It, it really is. Lightning really did strike. But they also had a couple of goals in the last minute of the third. So a really, really good team goal. One of these really hard goals. You know, you te- see a team get in and really just push the ball forward as a team. So there was a, a ball that came out and, and Wushner actually took on three herself to bring the ball to ground and kind of force a bit of a contest. The ball came out. Emily Bates has kind of mistaking possession properly, but she's made this beautiful tap forward. And Catherine Spark has kind of run through the 50, put this little punt through that was bouncing. It was probably going to bounce through, but that was the one that Arnell basically socketed through to kind of finish, yeah, yeah, finish the yeah, game off. Yeah, nice finish for her too. Yeah, so look, it was a, an absolutely cracking game. I do have to just quickly put this to you. I've never noticed how similar the start to the Brisbane Lions and Adelaide Coast theme <laughs> songs are. That's the mention of pride. I thought they put the wrong song on it first. <laughs> yeah, I remember the message. I really did. Like, oh, that was like, funny. Should Adelaide have been allowed to have such a similar start? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think as the song progresses, it's not as similar. But uh, yeah, yeah. I still haven't listened to them side by side. Yeah. I need to. Well, you, just, you know, they're the pride of... Adelaide, Brisbane, Adelaide, Brisbane. You know, it's, all, it's, it's very similar. Uh, yes, well, pride is the collective noun for Lions. And then finally this evening, AFLW's Night of Nights was, well, basically the equivalent of the Brownlow, the best and fairest. I'm sure one day they'll probably name it after Erin Phillips when she retires or they'll name it after one of these greats. Was uh, co one by Kiara Bowers from Frio, who, by the way, didn't even make a top five list in one of the Eastern States media things earlier in the season. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, and Brianna Davey from Collingwood, who also had a very good season. So congratulations to them. So, Shui, we're roughly at the quarter mark of the season. I'm on 33 after seven this week. What about yourself? 31. 31. Two behind you. What'd you have? We, we had the same yeah, the seven tips. as well. We the, ah, we same had, tips. We had the exact same. This, this was one of those ones that looked like a really easy tipping round going into it. Well, I mean, it was the same two that got us. Your swans being yes. run over the top by GWS. Yes. Of uh, a crazy snap from Josh Kelly. Yeah, oh, look, it was brilliant. It, Great was, it was almost like the Nick Natanui tap to himself to beat GWS, funnily enough, oh, where, where he snapped okay. one on the left from the, the pocket. Oh, yeah, I remember now that you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. And then obviously Adelaide, we kind of, I think we both expected at home they'd be too much for Fremantle. Adelaide are just really tough to tip at the moment Freo, because they're be- Well, Freo are too. Yeah. I didn't realise Rory Lobb was back. If I'd known he was back, I might have been tempted to pick Freo, but yeah, no. There you go. But I dare say this, you probably got closer on the margin than me on the Thursday night. Oh, probably not by much. What did you have? Oh, I think I think I put nine. 
Oh, wow. Or something. So I got closer. Nice. I, know, I know I'm better on the margin for the season yeah. overall, but yeah. I tipped Richmond by 14, so it was only yeah. 72. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, this week I think it's going to be interesting. There's legitimately six coin toss games for me. Uh, it'll be a miracle to get six this week. Mm. Oh, yeah, time will tell on that one. Mm. So I guess following on from that, there's a couple of teams that we, we kind of do need to speak about. First one is your Sydney Swans. You're wearing the colours proudly. Yeah, which yeah. I, real fan wears a shirt after a loss. I respect that. As yep. you can see, I'm a real fan of the Chris Weber. Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, this was, I mean, you would say Essendon the previous week was a, was a test. This kind of felt like the first real failed test of the season. They were both danger games. And there was always a chance of a letdown after the Richmond win. Look, it could still be five and one after six games, like I predicted after round one with Gold Coast this week. But this is, this is kind of what happens with a young team. You know, you'll beat teams like Richmond at the G and Brisbane away. They're two very good wins, you know. You'll win games that you might not expect to. And then you'll probably drop games that you probably shouldn't drop as well. Um, it was a derby. Teams always get up for a derby no matter where they are on the ladder. Um, 20 point lead in the fourth quarter. Oh, look, you, yeah, you, it, you, it's, you, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's a choke to be fair. And it's, and it's just a, a sign of a young team, I yep. think. Um, but, you know, Tom Hickey was injured. He's going to be out two months. But he got injured too. He's meant to be out for a month now. Isaac Heaney's going to be out. So, yeah, it, it that did, certainly didn't help. But before I get into my question on this one, the Franklin one is a little bit sad. It looked like he was an outside chance of getting to 1,000 goals this season. Yes. And it's obviously a very... After five. But it's a, a very exclusive club. I mean, the only members currently, Tony Lockett, Gordon Coventry, Jason Dunstall, Doug Wade, and Gary Ablett Sr. Mm. But when you look at... He will get there. He, he, well, in theory. Well, he in, should. In, in theory, he should. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He signed up for another few years. But my big question to you is, do you think this is a more realistic version of the Swans? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think they were going to come back to earth eventually. Um they're still much improved. I still think they're going to give teams a lot. Of, you know, they'll scare some teams. But it's a very young side. Like I mentioned previously, what, I think there were eight eight players under 50 games the other mm. week. So it's it's this, this is what will happen with a young team. And then I guess ditto with Adelaide, who we just spoke about. They gave up four goals in four minutes to the, the Dockers, which blew that game wide open and pretty much finished it for them. So Monday again. How good is Mundy? He just gets better with age. Yeah. Incredible. And this is this is the thing. You see so many teams give up on players, and this was something that I heard on Access All Areas. Teams giving up on players in their mid-30s way too soon, and, and Mundy is, you know, borderline All-Australian. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'll tell you what, though, giving up on players, if you listen to Mick Malthouse, they did the right thing by not keeping Brad Hill. Mick Malthouse did not have a nice thing to say about him with respect to St Kilda. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, well, he's overpaid. I think think. he's an incredibly overrated. And you can add that to the huge contract of Daniel Hanabry too. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting over there. Now, on the flip side, from a team that had a loss over the weekend, we look at another team that kept on rolling, which is the Western Bulldogs. Yes. 5-0 for the first time in 75 years, the Dogs. Wow. Jack McRae's had over 30 touches in every single game. Their midfield's been superb. Tim English is looking great. The new recruits are settling in perfectly to this team. But then if you look at who they've beaten. Yes. A tired West Coast team, an even more tired Brisbane team, Collingwood, North Melbourne and Gold Coast. With a combined record of 7 and 18. And three and two of those are us. So the furthest they've travelled so far is Ballarat, which is about 90 minutes by car from Melbourne. 
They've had a very soft schedule in that regard, yes. Are we letting this 5-0 and start seduce us a little bit too much, do you think? I don't know. I kind of feel like it's that old El Paso ad. Why not both? Yes, they've, <laughs> yes, they've had a soft schedule as far as travel. Yes, the teams they've played haven't got a great combined record. But I do think... Like, I do think they probably are that good. I mean, we've been saying all along they're a top four team. I think they are. So I think it's maybe both. I just want tacos now. <laughs> Damn you. I'll have an enchilada, thanks. I think the one thing actually that does really go in their favour and kind of supports your argument, though, is their schedule. They've got a really soft run right the way through to the finals. They've only really got one set of back-to-backs that look a little bit iffy. So they play Geelong down at Goomba, and they follow that with West Coast at Optus. Mm. So no, that will be a test. Two of the probably the two hardest yeah. stadiums to play outside of yeah, yeah, on the road, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if they don't win the minor premiership this season, there's something wrong. Long way to go, but they're certainly in the front seat for it. They have a lot of very winnable games. I would not be surprised if they only lost a couple of games all season. Now we've got to talk about the other undefeated team, the D's, who have played teams with a slightly better combined record. Dockers, St Kilda, GWS, Geelong, and Hawthorne have a combined record of eleven and fourteen. Are they the real deal? I think they are. I, I really do. I think they probably are too. And Ben Brown's still to come back too. And he took a screaming one-handed mark in the twos last week. So he could be back this week. So I think, yeah, the Ds are looking pretty good. So Max Gorn's gone to another level. Yes. He, he's a great race. He's, he's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely playing out of his skin. Christian Petrarca. Yep, and, and my Brownlow pick. And Oliver, who we speak about all the time. Yep. All, all of these guys, you know, Salem, off. I think he's off a half-back at the moment. These guys, again, have just gone to a, to a next level, and I really do believe that the Ds are going to be pushing hard for probably a top two or three. I don't know I don't know whether they will maybe have the odd game like what the Swans had over the weekend where they just... Well, they are, they're a slightly older team. But, yeah, they'll, they'll have letdowns occasionally. But, I, honestly, this is another team I wouldn't be surprised if you only saw them lose maybe three or four games. Wow. This season. I really believe Whew, that. Big call. Uh, yeah, it, it, seemed, okay. it seems like a big call, but you've also got to remember, like the Dogs, they're going to play the majority of their games in Melbourne. Barring- well, they'll, they'll have a better schedule than the Dogs too because they finished in the bottom eight last season. Yep. So they'll have a softer schedule. So they're really, I think they've only got a couple of tricky interstate trips that they've got to make. Okay, they don't travel to Perth particularly well, but other than that, I mean, Port Adelaide will be tough. I, I, I can't remember if they play Port in Adelaide, but you would expect them to win most of the games. I honestly believe this team is the real deal. Will they win a premiership this season? Probably not. Could we see a Dogs D's grand final? I would love to see that. But, Something different? Well, yeah, exactly. But no, it's uh, it's interesting. Then finally on the AFL, Stewie, we've got to talk about this Collingwood phone scandal, which I had no idea of because I was at the game watching from behind the goals. Typically enough from the end that didn't get all the scoring. It seems to happen every fucking time I go to the footy. Anyway, so I'll let you lead this one. Yeah, I mean, it kind of rounds out a really average week for the Pies. Well, average fortnight, really, when you consider them losing to GWS the previous week. Obviously, the Eagles ran them off the park in the second half. They lost Jordan Goey to a concussion and Jeremy Howe. Jeremy Howe, Howe yes. They were they were undermanned from fairly early in the match. I, I dare say that Jeremy Howe is actually a positive, though, because it looked like a season end of that one. He, right. he buckled under that really badly. I do you think straight away with his history. Oh, yeah, made a glass. That's you're, sad. You're expecting that to be a knees done yeah. for the season. But yeah. it's, it's a hamstring injury, so he'll be back. But obviously, yeah, this issue is this footage that has come out of Goey and Howe using their phones in the change rooms. It's a tricky one because 
It's different when you're injured. Yeah, I, I feel yeah. for them. I mean, obviously, the league doesn't want them using their phones, gambling purposes. There's all that sort of stuff going on. Yeah. It's, it's all about the integrity nowadays. Yeah, yeah. But they were just messaging their family to say, we're okay. And both of them, for me, is legit. How would be saying, I'm not done for the season. It's not a knee. I'm, I'm okay. And obviously, Degoe saying, look, I'm a bit concussed, but I'm not completely so mm, mm. so I can I can understand all this but for me the biggest thing is Nathan Buckley trying to defend this by saying to go he was concussed he didn't know what he was doing that, no yeah yeah it's a long bow Jeremy Howe made the decision to take his phone off him he wasn't concussed why was there not an official down there you know he's saying oh that we're, we're stretched in because of COVID okay well why was the box unlocked why did they have access to it what surely if, there must be a, a club manager who can contact families. But if there's to, all sorts of ways, if, surely. If Degoe's concussed, why is there not someone with him? Yeah, well, that's true too. That's, yeah, that's very true. Like you, you can't that that is completely null and void as soon as there's <laughs> pretty a pretty important detail. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. So it's incredibly irresponsible from the club if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, fair. So I can understand the league's given him a twenty thousand dollar fine. I think that's actually probably quite generous, mm. especially when you consider the COVID breaches they had last year. Well, it's it's a pretty big fine for the AFL. They don't tend to lodge massive fines compared to the NBA, for example. Obviously, the salaries are much different, but but as I say, you take into account the, the tennis issue with Buckley and Sanderson last yes. year, and the fact that Jaden Stevenson bet on his own team and his own goal kicking. That's. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's history here. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think they were actually probably a little bit lucky with this one. And I, and I tell you what, if things aren't bad enough, they're not going to have a fucking clue who they're kicking to next week. Have you seen the, the jumper clash for Anzac Day? <laughs> basically two almost all black jerseys with one, one's got a white strip and one's got a, a black uh, strip. I don't know where the league goes wrong with the jersey sometimes. Yeah. But uh, no, not a, not a good week for, for Collingwood. I think they're, as I say, I think they kind of got off a little bit lucky. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week belongs to the good people at Slotswise and the world of sports gaming. Slotswise, in their infinite wisdom, teamed up with some scientists to create a model of what our hands could look like in the future because of gaming. Mm. Like most people know, with the human body, it evolves based on necessity over the course of thousands of years. But this one is just creepy. Basically, the easiest way to describe it is to look at your own hand, unless you're driving, in which case, wait till you stopped. I don't want to be responsible for the accident. <laughs> imagine that your index and middle fingers were stretched out in a way that the first knuckle is level with the top of your ring finger. Crikey. Then imagine that your thumb doubles in thickness. That's what it looks like. It's, Kawhi Leonard hands. Well. No, worse. Way worse. Now, this is like one of the most extraterrestrial things you can imagine. I'm sick and tired of people making jokes about my large hands. <laughs> the first such incident, <laughs> it's like that, except only the two fingers. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's, ugh, it's really weird. Mm. So I won't make any jokes about long fingers, Joey, but... Um, <laughs> you didn't need to. Yeah, well, uh, it's funny you bring up esports because something that was on my short list of what caught my attention but didn't make it in the end was a podcast that a friend of ours tipped us off to about esports, uh, the Richard Lewis show, episode 153. He had a guy called Declan Hill, who's done all this investigative journalism on match fixing. And he's written this book called The Fix, I think, about match fixing in soccer. But now he's been starting to investigate match fixing in esports. And it's really rampant, quite fascinating. So that's something worth listening to. Mm, interesting. Anyway. So for providing us with the future alien hand, we didn't want to know we're getting. All I can say is, Regi Fora. <laughs> Bloody hell. 
for anyone that was actually wondering, that language was the alien language, Uyumoku. Nah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, of Not course. Klingon. No. Bloody hell. So, Stewie, the WNBA draft is in the books and massive news for Australian basketball with Charlotte Hill, daughter, of course, of former Boomer and international player Shane Hill, drafted eighth overall by the Chicago Sky, being the fourth player to be drafted in the top 10 as an Aussie behind Lauren Jackson, Liz Cambage and Alana Smith, who was also picked eighth overall in 2019. On a technicality, you could add Kelsey Griffin to that. Who's now a citizen. She, she was drafted in 2010 as an American, born in, in Anchorage in Alaska, but she is actually a, a naturalised Australian. Mm, so. Okay, there you go. But yeah. tremendous effort. Amazing. And she'll have a very good international career. I dare say. She definitely will. She's got great poise. She She's fearless. So really exciting. Yeah, hopefully next stop Olympics. Yeah, this is the Olympics for the Opals. Oh, that'd be nice. Bring it home gold. Yeah, that'd be very nice. Very nice. Now, speaking of bringing home gold, Brad Stevens won't be. Huge news in the NBA. Well, and college. This blows my mind. So the Indiana Hoosiers actually offered Brad Stevens a seven-year, $70 million contract, which he turned down. Oh, that's incredible. Now, to put this into perspective, he's on a six-year, $22 million contract with Boston. Which is... Probably pretty good for coaching salaries in the NBA. It's not bad. Yeah. But, geez, this would have made him the richest of all of the coaches. So, And he's still a fairly young man too. So Yeah. Like if, if you think of some of the guys like Coach Krzyzewski, for example, he's on about $8 million a year, which is a very, very pretty penny. Yep. But this is putting him up into the Oh, this is, yeah. That takes a brave man to turn down that much money. Mike Woodson took the job though. Ah. So, yeah. What are they paying him? 50 bucks probably. No idea. <laughs> I but, think he might be an Indiana native too, actually. But so. this, this is, well, Brad Stevens is definitely. Yeah, yeah. But this is interesting. So if you look at the Celtics right now, they're half a game behind the Atlanta Hawks and they're level with the New York Knicks. And this is after they've just won eight of their last 10 games. They're having a bit of a down season. They do have two very, very good young players that you could understand why a coach would want to stick around for. They do. And they also have by far the most games lost to COVID protocol this season out of anyone. Which is, yeah. And like Dallas, it has hurt their season and their standings. I think they've lost about 138 games, I think it is, to COVID so far. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of games. That is a lot of games. So, Yeah. yeah. Look, they've definitely been hit by injury and illness and all sorts of things, but... I just, I'm not sure if they're in the same tier as the Bucks, Sixers, and the, the Nets when they're healthy. No, maybe not this season. So, oh, that's a lot of money. Speaking of the Nets, Julie, LaMarcus Aldridge has retired fairly abruptly. It's on medical grounds. Now, it was actually a long term issue. He missed a quarter of his rookie season with an irregular heartbeat. So, it is something that he's been battling his whole career. And it's been a very good career. He fell just 49 points shy of the 20,000 club. You'd have to think this jersey will be retired by the Portland Trailblazers pretty soon. So I guess the question is, will he make the Hall of Fame? He's probably borderline. I don't think he does, quite frankly. I mean, very, very good player. Don't get me wrong. I think he's he's brilliant. Multiple All-Star games, multiple... All-NBA, yeah. All-NBA. I think it was seven All-Star, five All-NBA from memory. I think they were all like second and third. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. Never made a first team, but still. Still impressive. Well, I mean, he was playing at the same time with guys like Duncan competing for him. So good luck getting a first team spot in that. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Until he joined him, of course. Yeah. I think my biggest argument would probably be his team success. I think he only ever made the conference finals once, and it was the Spurs in 2016, if I remember correctly. Okay. Yeah, okay. Most of his career was either out of the playoffs or in the first round. He did have some big playoff games for Portland. 
But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, if they're not clearing first round. Team, yeah. team success definitely has to come into it. And yeah. Look, very, very good player, as I said, but I, I just don't quite think he makes the criteria. You've given me a beautiful segue here, Stewie. Team success may be the only reason why Steph isn't leading the MVP at the moment. Curry is on a tear. A tear. This is one of the most purple, purple patches you will ever see. So his last six games from three, eight of 15, 10 of 18, 11 of 16, 4 of 13, 11 of 19, and 10 of 17. And his lowest score in the last 11 or 12 games was, what, 34? Something like that. It's nuts. But 54 of 98 from three, that's over 55%. Yep. The most threes in a six-game span, not surprisingly. He's averaging nine a game. Yeah. Uh, Nine was the record once. For a long time. Oh. So he's now got six 10-plus three-point games this season. This season. This season. The only that's other, that's less than a tenth of the season. The most anyone else has had in their entire career is Clay Thompson with five. His teammate, crazy, so, crazy stuff. He had more three pointers last week than the Cleveland Cavaliers, Denver Nuggets, Washington Wizards, Detroit Pistons, and <laughs> I New didn't Orleans see Pelicans. that. I did see that on Twitter. Oh. So you know, and as you said, you know, he's, he's scoring points at will. He's just broken Kobe Bryant's record for most consecutive thirty point games at thirty three years or over. <sighs> I mean, he was getting MVP chance in Philadelphia today. Mm. Well, in a win too. Yeah, big big road win. Big road win. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you have to say the fact that that team is going as well as they are almost pushes Steph into MVP. Puts a lot of pressure on Jokic to keep performing, and Jokic is still kicking ass himself. I mean, what do you have? 47, 15, and 8 today yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a double overtime Well, and his win. stats in the last couple of games have been nuts, yeah. But they have to be because... Yeah, they do with Murray, no but, Murray, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the, the numbers that Steph is putting up right now, they're actually pretty much the same, if not better, than his unanimous MVP season mm. a few years back. Oh, yeah, they're almost identical, yeah. This, like, a lot of people were talking about the whole Giannis versus James Harden race last year as being the hardest to pick. I dare say this MVP race could have three or four guys. Well, chuck those two other guys in in the in the pot. As much as I hate Harden, he's got to be on the list, the short list. With, with Curry and Joel Embiid yeah. and, and Jokic. Yep. I mean, I would not. Well, I think I think Giannis has got to be on the short list. He won't win it. Oh, he's on the short list. There'd though. be five or six guys yeah. you, could, you could easily give it to. Yeah. I would not want to be casting a vote for that. No. Now, throwing back to this week in sports, Dewey, uh, much like former Giants player Jigger Stats, Time for you to give a good stat. Well, I can give you a random jigger stat because yeah, I've only, only got one this week. Well, we're quickly running out of time. I think it's a cracker, though. Paul George is 6 of 50 on game-tying or go-ahead field goal attempts in the fourth quarter or overtime in his career. Playoff P. Yikes. Yeah. And this is the guy that got pissed off when an open teammate took a shot to win the game once for Indiana when mm-hmm. he was double-teamed. Yeah, it was CJ Miles. Was it? There you yep. go. So we've got another great bridge from NBA to NBL, Stewie. We have a player going from NBL to NBA. Didi Lazada. Didi Lazada, off to the Pellies, yeah. New Orleans. Pretty much swapping places with Wolverine. Well, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Unfortunately. But no, look, this is great for Didi Lazada. I mean, statistically, he's not having a great season. He's averaging less than nine points a game. I'm not convinced he's an NBA player. I think he'll be lucky to play 200 career games, maybe even 100 career games. If I'm honest, I wasn't sure that Deshaun Tate was going to be an NBA player. Yeah, that's true. He landed in a very good situation he, on a tanking did. team. He did. But yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. I dare say Lazada's probably going to do what Magne did and play a lot with the G League team. Yeah. But it's good to get him experience, a taste in the system. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, if you look at him, 
he's got a lot of the the same sort of attributes that Jay Sean Tate had. Mm. He's very aggressive. He's very confident. He doesn't streaky. He, yeah, very streaky. Very. When he gets hot, he is very hard to stop. He just doesn't get hot often enough. This is the problem. Yeah, it? and unfortunately, he's going to come up against guys that are a lot more athletic than you'll get yep. in Australia. So, yeah, lots of good defense. It, it, this would be an interesting one, but I, I'm glad to see that he's getting an opportunity. Oh, I certainly don't want him to fail. I just suspect that he may. And this is just as Sydney started playing decent ball again. Yeah, I know. Not great timing. No, not great timing at all. Speaking of decent ball, that Cairns Adelaide game was an absolute cracker, wasn't it? Yeah, geez, this was a really crazy one. It looked like Cairns were absolutely home. Jordan Natai hit a massive three with about a minute and a half to go, put him up seven. You're sort of thinking, right, here we go. But then it comes down to the end, and Jack McVeigh hit this crazy three while getting fouled. Yeah. And Speaking I have of to streaky say, players. He kicked the leg out something. Yeah, he did. He did. On he did. But Bryce does all the time. Let's face it. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm, yeah, not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not presenting he doesn't. But, yeah. But to yeah to get that call, I thought was was very interesting. But then they get the ball back down three with about ten seconds to go. Josh Giddy misses a tough three. They get the ball back, kick it out to McVeigh, and he tries to kick the leg out again. No contact. But the problem the was three. Brandon Paul should have taken it. Absolutely, he, he was wide open in Absolutely the corner. Absolutely, he should have. And he. Like shooting. Maybe it was just one where he thought, well, McVeigh's just hit one. I think you're right. But he also, he had his hands up. He wanted it back. Absolutely. So you could tell he regretted making the pass the minute he did. It's the problem the ball doesn't come back to you. But it was a good game for Mojave King in the sense that Machado was missing with injury. And obviously the scouts were watching, as Andrew Gaze mentioned several times during the broadcast, the scouts were there to watch Giddy. So King got a good, uh, good little start there for the scouts as well. Another player, though, I've got to say, I'm not convinced is an NBA player. Very, very young Hard to make big calls with players that young, but yeah. And and again, going back to the thing that you say all the time, Cam Oliver had 25 and 16 in that game. If you look at Cam Oliver's stats, they're almost identical to last season for all the flack he's copped. It was a slow start, but it's done. It's back to the States for personal reasons. So we wish him and his family all the best. And he is still contracted. So assuming he doesn't get picked up by the NBA or use an out clause, he will be back with the Taipans next season. Hopefully we'll see him back. Yeah. Yep. All right, Stuart, you know what that music means. What are you amped for? Honestly, mate, I'm amped for about two thirds of this week's round of footy. (laughs) How do you go past Melbourne and Richmond at the MCG on Saturday night? Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty excited for Lakers and Mavericks on Friday. It should be the return of Anthony Davis. So looking forward to seeing him back and how his injuries maybe hamper his movement. They've won a couple of games shorthanded, the Lakers. They have. Very surprising. How about yourself, mate? Well, I'm apt to talk about a bit of cricket next week. It did, uh, unfortunately, have to be relegated, even in spite of a Shield final. So I look forward to talking about that a little bit. But until next time, I'm Nathan. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.